Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, GMC. I am and all the guests as well who are coming in online and joining with us, I'm excited to be here this morning. I mean, the only thing that would make this more exciting is if all of you were here, but I am really, really just happy to be a part of the GMC family. I've been on staff now for about six weeks, and it's been a lot of fun getting to know some of the other staff, but I can't wait to meet you guys. And so definitely looking forward to that. The parking lot service, uh, services are going to be awesome. But I'm also looking forward, and all of us are looking forward, to hopefully seeing restrictions open up more in the fall so that we can actually all be here together and I can see all of your beautiful faces. I'm sure that's going to be awesome. So before I jump in this morning, I want to share just a little bit about myself, just a little bit to give you some idea of who I am, because I know that there's many of you who don't know me. My name is Brian Nystater, and I am a born and raised Winkler boy. And for the last four and a half years before I was here, I was living in Winnipeg, and I was involved with a ministry called Sanctuary House of Prayer. And it really was an amazing season. Like, I got to see God stretch me. God did so many good things inside of my heart. I got to see him do things in the lives of other people. Got to do some traveling across the prairies. Lots and lots of fun. But I have to be honest, it's so good to be home. It's so good to be here. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One is, I'm, like I said before, I, I am from Winkler, so driving down familiar streets and going to all my favorite places and stuff like that, I just love that. But there's another reason too. And that's because I believe with all of my heart that God has this region earmarked for a move of his spirit. And I've been praying for it for the last 10 plus years. And I have friends I know, even in this church, who've been praying for it for decades. That the Holy Spirit would move in this region in power. And I'm just telling you guys, I, like I said, I believe with all of my heart that there is a move coming. That is going to light the hearts of this region on fire with love for God. And I believe there's a movement of missions that's going to explode out of this region, unlike anything we've ever seen before. And I believe that GMC is a part of this, and I believe the Lord's going to use many different churches as well. And it's my heart as the director of Gospel Mission Discipleship School that, that somehow our school could have a role to play in this as well. But I want to give the rest of my life to seeing the power of the Holy Spirit come and awaken hearts and minds to the beauty and glory of Jesus. And so, in many ways, that's why I'm here. And it actually ties in with, with what I want to talk about this morning. We're in the middle of our Summer in the Psalms series. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking of, um, in one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 63. But before we get there, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that there is no one like you. God, in the midst of a thousand other things in our society and in our world that, that pull for our heart's attention, none of them even come close to who you are. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that this morning you would ignite something on the inside of us. God, I ask that you would provoke us by your spirit to fresh hunger for you, to fresh desire for you, Lord, that you would awaken our hearts even in a greater way. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I wanted to start this morning with a couple of maybe fairly intense questions, but the first is this. Where is your faith at right now? Where is your faith at? And the second is, is how's that fire on the inside of you, that, that hunger for Jesus, how is it doing right now? Because I know we're coming out of hopefully a year and a half season where, where I think many of us have struggled to keep that, that passion for Jesus going. And, and if we're going to be honest, I know I've felt the power of this, of this lukewarmness kind of thing wanting to hit me. We're not doing church in person like usual. Things aren't the way we want them to be. We're distracted by so much going on in our society. And it's easy to kind of lose that passion and that fire for Jesus. You know, I, I think back probably almost 15 years ago, and I was in a season in my life where I was burnt out. I had just finished a ministry position. My heart was just dry as can be. I felt distant from God. I, was, I just felt so broken in the midst of it. I felt like there were all these things I was supposed to do, and I, and I had failed the Lord in the midst of it. And, and in the season after that, the Lord started to renew me and reform me. He started to reshape my heart. And Psalm 63 was one of the psalms that the Lord used powerfully in my life to awaken me to a greater desire for Jesus. So if you have your Bibles or your phones with you, you might want to turn there with me as we jump into it this morning, because this is where we're going to be spending all of our time. I'm just so thankful, actually, in the last number of months, the Lord's been bringing the psalm back to me, and I've felt it kickstart my, my fire on the inside all over again. Now, all that we really know about the setting of Psalm 63, it says that it was, it was written while David was in the desert in Judah. And so there's two possible times, if you know the life of David at all, when this might have actually happened. The first time, it, it could have happened before David became king. And David was um, being pursued by Saul in the desert and Saul was trying to kill him because he didn't want David to become king. The second time it could have happened is later on in David's life. When David was actually, he was already king, but now his son was actually having a military coup against him. It was Absalom. And Absalom and his men were pursuing him. They were wanting, again, to kill David. And so he's hiding in the desert. So no matter when it happened, he was having a really, really bad day at the office. This, this was not a good day. David was in dire straits. He was in some really desperate times. And I don't know about you, but if it, I was in a time like him, I know the kind of prayer I would pray. If I was writing a psalm, I know the kind of psalm I would be writing, and it would be, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? I thought you had promises over my life. I thought you were good. I thought you cared about me. I, I have a whole long list of gripes that just being honest, if I was in that situation, that's what I would be writing. It would not have been recorded as Holy Scripture. I can promise you that. But David, he's probably holed up in a cave somewhere or maybe in a hastily constructed tent. He's hungry and he's thirsty. And he prays a completely different sort of prayer. In Psalm 63, verse 1, David starts off and David says this. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. 
And it's like David, he's, he's feeling the hunger pangs. I imagine him feeling them. I imagine him feeling just that thirst like he wants water. And then he turns to the Lord and he says, Lord, yeah, I'm hungry, yes. I'm thirsty, yes. But, but more than any of that, I want you. God, I want you. And one of the reasons why I, I love this psalm is that it forces me to ask the question, what was going on in this man's heart that that's what he prays? You know, the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And I read this psalm and, and, I, and, I, and it makes me wonder, okay, what was it about David that could make him pray this prayer? What was it on the inside of him that this is his go-to prayer when someone is trying to kill him? And, and then it goes on. To understand this, we actually have to read further. And in verse 2, we start to see the beginning of the explanation of what was going on. He, he makes this statement. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Guys, we, we, we got to like just stop everything. Let me read this again. He said, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. What kind of quiet time did David have that he comes away from that devotional time, from that quiet time, and he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I've beheld your power and your glory. I tell you, I've been a believer for almost my entire life since I was a young boy, but I have never ever had a devotional time where I came away from it saying, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. I love passages like this. This is one of the most stunning verses in all of Scripture. Because they stir in me this desire, they remind me, oh, Brian, you haven't tasted anything yet of the goodness of who I am. You, you, there are whole realms of encounter with me, that I feel like the Lord would say, that, that, that are available to you, and you have barely scratched the surface, and you think you've gone somewhere in me. And I love it. Like, I love it. I love it because it, it lights a fire underneath me. It provokes me. It's like, oh, there is so much more. There is so much more of God. We see in Scripture this, this theology of encounter that happens from time to time, especially with some of the great people that we see in Scripture. I think about Moses. And Moses, it says of Moses that he met with God face to face as someone would meet with a friend. And when we read passages like that, we just have to stop and ask, what was that like? What kind of conversations was he having with the Lord? And yet after the, that level of encounter with God, Moses still, he prays his prayer. He says to the Lord, he says, now Lord, show me your glory. And it's like, Moses, haven't you seen enough? Or David, he's crying out for more of God. And he says, I've seen you in your sanctuary. But, but he's saying, but I want more of you, God. And then we see Paul in Philippians chapter 3, and he's saying all of his accomplishments, all of his reputation, everything, he says, I count it as rubbish compared to knowing the Lord. And you see this burning fire of hunger on the inside of these people. And what you find out is that, is that every encounter that they had with the Lord, it's like when you're really, really hungry and you have just a little piece of steak, just a little bite of it. And then all of a sudden, now you're really, really, really hungry. 
God's like that times a billion. When you really begin to taste of who he is, it awakens something on the inside of you. And David was left so undone by this. David was left so messed up, like in a good way, but messed up that that he could be in the desert being hunted by an army and he's crying out, oh God, I just want more of you. I love this song. You know, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts um, this past week and and, and they had this quote that just really jumped out at me and, and they said this, they said, the definition of lukewarmness is thinking that you're pretty much fine right now and that you have all that you need of God. I'm pretty much good. I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I mean, there's more of God for me, but I'm pretty good. And he said, that's a definition of lukewarmness. (laughs) And we consider that normal Christianity. I tend to consider that normal Christianity. I I am not saying this in any, any way. To, to, to leave anyone feeling condemned. What, what I'm doing in my heart's desire is that we would feel provoked that there is so much more of God. What, what, I'm, what I'm doing is, is I, I'm wanting you to get the heart of David. Because what David had, I want. The fire on the inside of him is what I want. And I feel like when we, when we settle for whatever we have in God, often it's simply because we have no idea that there is so much more. There's so much more. And David doesn't stop. I I love it. Um, I'll I'll say the word I love it a lot because this is one of my favorite psalms and I just do. (laughs) But he goes on and he starts to explain what happened in this encounter. And he says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. David had an encounter with the love of God. And it changed everything. He had an encounter with the love of God and it changed everything. We tend to have a good theology of God's love, we can say all the right words, but the reality is, is that practically, we don't really believe it. It's up here, but it's not down here, right? And so maybe you could even say, no, like, well, why? I believe that Jesus loves everyone because I got a Bible verse for it. Or or maybe we say, you know, I I can believe that Jesus would really love my spouse or he'd really love my, my kids or he'd really love my friends, but... But to believe that Jesus truly and deeply and unreservedly loves me, that's where we struggle. And David encountered the love of God. His theology switched from merely being up here. And we want theology up here. You want, you want lots of theology up here. This is a good place for theology, like for, for our right understanding, right beliefs of God. So we, we want it up here, but, but it made the 18-inch the little trip from up here to down here. And he started to realize on the inside, oh my goodness, this love is real. In Ephesians chapter 3, 16 to 19, 
Paul is, is actually, he's praying this prayer. So this is thoroughly theologically sound. Paul is praying this prayer, Ephesians 3, 16 to 19, and he's praying for the Ephesians for Holy Spirit power. Like, I imagine him praying. It's the same sort of prayer he would pray for revival, for like Pentecost kind of power to fall. He's praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall on the church in Ephesus so that they would know the love that surpasses all understanding. You know, the height and the width and the depth and the length of it. That was Paul's prayer, that they would encounter, that they would experience this love. It wouldn't just stay up here. It would drop down here. This is thoroughly biblical. We were made for encounter. Do we live only for encounter? Of course not. There are times you don't feel his love. It doesn't change the truth. We want to be rooted in the truth of the word of God. But there's more than that too. The Lord wants us to experience it on the inside. And when that happens, in the Pemina Valley region, we won't even recognize it. The Lord's going to light the valley on fire. Now, when it starts happening in the church for us, for you and for me, when this happens for us and this love finally lands and we actually get it that he loves us, going to change everything and all of a sudden those other things that we're obsessed with are going to drop off to the side we may we waste so much time and energy on things that are of no eternal value you know right now me and pastor claude are, are pretty happy we're pretty happy, guys. I don't know about a week and a half from now, but our boys, our Habs, they're, they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. So we're pretty happy. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, we were texting each other during a game, and we were you know, both wearing our Montreal Canadiens socks um, because it's important, and socks help your team win. And of, you know, we're grown men texting each other pictures of our socks. But, but of course, we're kind of being silly, and we understand that you know, it's just a game, and, and maybe that's part of the reason for our silliness too. But hey, we, we got to enjoy this while, while it lasts. But, but we've all seen people. You know, maybe it's that, that business person who has sown their entire life into their business while their family and relationships suffer. Or that person who sowed everything into that hobby of theirs, that, that side passion of theirs, and, and everything else kind of slips away on the wayside. We've, we've seen what happens when we, we throw all of our life into sports or these other things, and they're not bad in and of themselves, but, but, but they become an idol in people's lives, and when they become an idol, that's when there's a problem. And I believe David would say to us as people who are so prone to this, I know my heart is so prone to this, he would say, you got to try the Lord. You, you got you to taste and see that he is good. And he says this love because he'd experienced the love of God, saying this is why I praise. This is why David, this man's man, like David, I mean, he, he killed a sheep and a bear, or not a sheep, he maybe killed a few sheep, but as a shepherd, he killed a bear and a lion as a young shepherd boy. Just because they got close to the sheep. He's this mighty warrior, but he experienced the love of God. And he's just undone. 
He actually takes us further into his heart in verses 6 to 8. He says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you and your right hand upholds me. If we just took this out of context, you might think it's just a love poem. David is talking like a man who is fully in love with God. I I love this reality. David was obsessed with having more of God. I I love that that, again, is what was burning on the inside of him. I mean, he he was so passionate in his worship that his wife had to try to tell him to tone it down because she was getting embarrassed because of how expressive he was in worship and he just didn't care because he had encountered Jesus and what other option did he have? I just want to say to the men who are watching this morning, Jesus is more exciting than a hockey game, than a football game, than any other thing. And I've watched so often as, as, as men, we feel the cultural stereotypes on us that it's like, it's totally okay to lose it at a sporting event, but in church we need to be all nice and composed. And it's like, I don't know where that lie ever originated But Jesus is just so much better than a Bombers as Grey Cup champs still reigning after two years. He's he's just better than all of that stuff by far. And this came out of the place of encounter that David had with the Lord. And then the message comes back into the situation where he's at. Because he is in trouble. People are trying to kill him. He's really hungry. He's really thirsty. But as he starts, you know, he's been reflecting on who God is and God's goodness, on God's mercy, on God's power, on his encounter with the love of God, on all of this time, he gets stirred with fresh faith. And he says, those who want to kill me, they're going to be destroyed. But as for me, I'm going to praise God. Because his eyes have been looking at Jesus. Now, I want to say this because it's important. When you're going through a, through a hard time, it's a good idea to put your eyes on Jesus. It's, it's always a good idea to do that. But putting our eyes on Jesus was never meant to just be a technique to help us through our tough times. It's what we were created to do all the time. It's how we were created to live. It's what we're going to be doing in eternity. It's getting in touch with the reality that is far greater with what Paul would call our light and momentary afflictions here on earth. And when David did this, his heart started to burn with love for God, and everything around him took on a new perspective. If this sounds boring to us, it's only because we don't actually know how good God is. Guys, I know that this season has left many of us feeling lukewarm in our faith. We're not feeling the passion that that maybe we once felt for the Lord because we've been distracted with so many other things. But the awesome thing about the Lord, and I, I just really felt this coming into this morning, is that he's always offering us the invitation to turn back to him.
when I was preparing for this message, you know, part of what's in my heart is, oh man, this is my first message at GMC, so I want to, you know, preach a nice message, share, share, share the Lord's heart and stuff, but it's like first impressions, all this sort of stuff, right? Like, like all these things are kind of running through my head, but then over the last couple of days as I've been praying through this and talking to the Lord about it, I just started to really realize, oh my goodness, no, I think the Lord is actually really, really, really serious about this this morning. We have this thing sometimes where, because I mean, we're just hitting summer right now. And so often in summer, especially, it's like, okay, we, we got to get out to the lake. We got to hit the beach. We got to do all those different things. And then, and then in September, we're really going to buckle down and we're going to start going after the Lord again. But I just feel like there's a fresh invitation from the Lord today to actually step out of whatever this last season has been about. And, and I, in some ways, I don't even care what the last season was like because the Lord is, is inviting us into something new today. So we can just leave that behind. No need to hang around in shame or guilt or condemnation. It's, it's like, no, let's just forget that and, and step over here into this place of hunger again. Into this place of desire. Into this place of longing for more of him. And I know of no other way into this than to begin to do like David did and to start crying out for more of him. In my really dry season that I, I told you guys about at the start of this message, close to 15 years ago, when I just felt distant from God, I, I learned a few prayers that have been really, really helpful ever since. And it was simply this. God, give me fire for you. God, ignite something in my heart. God, give me hunger for you. Not very fancy, but I would just start praying, oh Lord, give me hunger over and over and over and over again. In, in that season, I was actually in Bible school, and so I would, I would walk down the halls sometimes in between classes, and just, just pray a short little prayer as I was walking from class to class. Oh, Lord, give me hunger. And in the evenings, I'd go for walks, be listening to worship music, and I'd just be praying over and over, oh, Lord, give me fire. And I would pray prayers that, that often seemed very weak. It'd be like, Lord, I'm, I'm not hungry at all for you today. Lord, give me hunger to even be hungry for you. Lord, give me hunger to even feel hungry for you. And guys, even in preparation for this message, when I started to pray those prayers, I felt the voice of the accuser coming in and saying, oh, yeah, you're, you're praying this prayer now because you're preaching a sermon on it. The enemy's going to come with all kinds of crazy lies and say, oh, this is just the flesh. Oh, now you're getting all spiritual? He does that all the time. Just ignore it and press on in. I, I just said to the Lord in my prayer, I said, I don't care how much flesh there is involved. Come burn up all the stuff that isn't of you. I'm going in. I'm going in. I don't care what kind of lies the enemy wants to you know, push my ways. I don't care about what, whatever happened in the past, whatever happened in that past season. I am pressing in to know you, God. And you can pray those same prayers too. Lord, ignite my heart with passion for you again. God, come and light that fire on the inside of me. There's a couple of people listening, probably more than that, 
And despite everything I've said, you're still feeling condemned right now. <laughs> I know how the human heart works, and you're like, oh man, he's talking about like this David, and he, he's all hungry for God, and, I'm, and, and, you're, and the lies of the enemy are coming after you already, and it's just like, oh, I can never be that kind of person. You can't on your own. Jesus actually said, he said that the flesh counts for nothing. Our own efforts count for nothing and the spirit alone gives life. The Bible says that, that there's no one who is righteous, no one who seeks God on their own. We can't hunger for him apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. But I got good news for you. The Holy Spirit's favorite job description is revealing Jesus to the human heart. It's his favorite thing to do. It's like if you ask me to eat some of my mom's cookies. I'm, like, I'm in. I'm in. You know, I, I don't have to stop. I don't have to decide. I don't have to think about, well, did I just eat or not? I, no decision. Pro- I, I'm in. If you ask the Holy Spirit to give you more hunger for Jesus, he will do it. Just keep asking. Just keep asking. You might not feel it. You might not notice a difference right away. Just keep asking. Just keep asking. And he's going to do a work of you in you, of transforming you from the inside out. So to close off this morning, I actually want to give us some time to encounter the Lord. The worship team, if they want to come up, they can already um, begin to come up. But I want to give you some time this morning Because I believe the Lord actually wants to shift something in our hearts this morning. This isn't really about a message at all. This is about asking the Holy Spirit to help us and to start igniting that fire of love for Jesus on the inside of us all over again. So if if you're watching at home, I I, I know how how this goes because I've watched a lot of stuff at home too. And sometimes by this point, we're looking at our watch and we're we're, we're thinking of of other stuff. Maybe you're half asleep because you're on your couch and you have a great couch. So I, I want to actually even invite you just to stand with me. You don't need to, but, but I invite you to. And we're going to ask the Lord to come and help us. Let's pray. Jesus, we want what David had. God, we want to see whatever he he saw. God, we want to experience your love the way that he experienced your love. God, if you call him a man after your own, own heart, we want to burn the way that he burned for more of you. So I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would shift the season over our lives. Lord, awaken our hearts to hunger. Awaken our hearts to the glory of Jesus, God. Far beyond today, far beyond even a a couple of days after this, Lord, when, when often we forget about what a message even was. Lord, I ask that you would do something on the inside of us and that today, by your Holy Spirit, you would ignite a fire and a passion on the inside of us. God, I thank you that your word says that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so we just say goodbye to ourselves from this last season. 
the old is gone and Lord we step into the new God we want to know you we want to love you we want to obey you we want to worship you we want everything that there is to have in you So would you come and do it, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.